Hey everybody, we're back with another Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. And today we're here to talk about Rick and Morty Season 3. Uh, we don't usually talk about comedies because, uh, in our mind, it often becomes a, wasn't it funny when Rick manifested the butt and had it fart in Nathan Fillion's face? Pretty funny. Pretty fucking funny. And then you move on yeah. to the next one. Uh, but we got a lot of a lot of people asking us to do some kind of coverage on this, and there is often enough sci-fi, philosophical like life issues the show touches on that maybe it'll be interesting to talk about from time to time. Uh, what's your so I I, I kind of envision this as like this is a pitch to why people if they're not listening to Rick and Morty they're not watching Rick and Morty why they should uh, initially, um, and to illustrate that I want to talk about. Because um, I know you, you and I have a different relationship to the show. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to five hundred <laughs> fucking hours of Dan Harmon. I've podcast. gone a little off the deep end. I was, <laughs> I was so impressed. Like, there's very few shows that have like kind of altered my media habits. Um, and Rick and Morty. I, I remember uh, when like season two was in the middle of it. I kept on hearing people. Like Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty. We had uh, a couple come over to uh, feed our cat when we were on vacation, and they we had this whiteboard in our living room. Did they pop through an interdimensional portal? They did, they did not. Well, maybe okay. they did, uh, <laughs> but they drew like all kinds of Rick and Morty art all over our whiteboard, and Seth and I are like, <laughs> okay. "What the fuck is this stuff?" And they couldn't believe that we hadn't seen it. So we 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 caught up in season two, and Seth and I were so impressed. We found out that like this Dan Harmon guy. Um, uh, had, had written this other show called Community. So we sit and sure. watched all six seasons of Community. Uh, we then found out he had a podcast called Harmontown. We watched a documentary, Harmontown, and then in the last year, we both have watched like all 250-some hours of that. I've listened to all of Justin Roiland, who's the other creator um, of of uh, Rick and Morty, his, his grandma's virginity podcast. <laughs> uh, I fucking watched Monster House because Dan, the, the stupid child, the children's television show, or... Uh, uh, Halloween movie because Dan Harmon wrote it. I've like fucking mainline Dan Harmon because I just feel like he has got this uh, kind of comic genius, and I'm not sure how I can put my my finger on it. Now you've seen Community, sure. I, well, not all of it, I've but you've seen, seen a, a lot, couple of seasons. You've probably it. seen the best seasons, like the first first two couple, or three yeah. are like kind of the best. And I've seen like their Halloween specials and a couple of other ones here and there. Uh, what? And I've seen Harmontown the documentary, right? Right. Uh, which is kind of about Dan Harmon, the yeah. man. Yeah, and like it, it the whole um, the whole idea about about the time to Harmontown, the documentary is they went on like a forty city tour of their podcast, which started the podcast started. Dan Harmon got fired from his own show, uh-huh. in season four by NBC. So he essentially created a podcast so he could talk about it and you know kind of keep some creative juice going. And some of his friends uh, in the industry and. Uh, they they did this documentary where they followed him around, and I thought it was pretty profound. It's like this, you know. Dan Dan's an interesting guy. He's a highly functional alcoholic. Uh, he is a creative genius. He's famously difficult to work with. He uh, is capable of like really touching acts of compassion and like unimaginable cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but I, I I feel driven to kind of understand him because I feel like Dan Harmon minus the genius. And plus the alcoholism is a lot <laughs> like me, like scarily like me. The Wait, way... you, you plus his alcoholism? 
No, and no, that's like you? Actually, it's like you subtract a genius uh-huh. and you add more. Oh, alcohol. I'm sorry, you're right. You subtract a genius <laughs> and alcohol because I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic. No, come on. I, I do enjoy to drink, but I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. You minus the genius and alcoholism, and it's yeah. essentially me. Okay. Uh, we both lived in the Midwest. We both had weird uh, uh, shit growing up. Um, so anyway, that's my experience with it. Do you feel me though when I say that like Dan Harmon's got like something that's sort of like I, I, I the. The closest thing I can compare it to is like very early Conan O'Brien or like very early uh, hmm. um, shit. Uh, who's, who's the guy from Ball State, Indianapolis? He had the, the late night show. Dave Letterman. Oh, okay. Like every once in a while, huh. a person come, falls off a turnip truck that has such a different way of looking at humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm kind of a humor junkie that like I just gravitate towards it. Do you? Do you? Do you feel? What? What do you think is the thing? What what's his deal? Why I don't, I don't know that I can put my finger on it, but whatever it is that he does so well, it really speaks to me because right. it's a blend of like truly juvenile bullshit. Like right. he's gonna have butts come out of coffee cups and fart in aliens' faces, right? And he's gonna do that over and over again until the alien gets super annoyed. But he's also gonna you know speak on these really interesting science fiction or philosophical topics, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like this this sort of crass juvenile humor mixed with this high minded ideals sort of thing. Right. Which that's that's right up my alley. Yeah. Um and and I think so I, I don't really like Dan Harmon as a person, uh-huh. um, based on, you know, the stuff that I know about him. Maybe that would be different if I met him. Maybe he's just a great guy to hang out with, but I don't think I would want to be married to him. I don't think I would want to be his girlfriend, because... Uh, seems like a monster when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but I do think he is a creative genius. I think he his sense of humor is is just so perfectly aligned with mine in mm-hmm. most instances that, yeah, it works for me. It seems like that um, – so I want to talk about the show itself because the pitch is Justin Roiland uh, and Dan Harmon have been friends for a long time uh, since, like, their, their improv and stand-up days. Mm-hmm. And uh, – one of the things Dan likes to do is he likes to take any money that he makes from his projects and just roll it into the next one. He's always bankrupt. Like like Dan Harmon was one of the executive producers of the, the uh, largely failed uh, animated movie An- Anomalisa. Um, mm. But he also he's like he's he was with was Justin on like you know they're just hanging out and he's like what do you got going on and Justin's like I really like these two voices I do, <laughs> I, I, I do one voice like this and he burps and ah no I do another voice like this and. Like, he had done, like, these crude YouTube animations where it was essentially – it was Doc and Marty. Mm-hmm. And the the thing was, like, you know how we talked about on the Back to the Future podcast, how that's a weird relationship. You've got this elderly s- mad scientist that this 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid has inexplicably have this deep relationship with. Yeah. It's because of his big speaker, let's be honest. Right. He's got the biggest speaker in town. <laughs> but he did this dumb YouTube video where, like, Marty or uh, Doc comes in his car and he's like, Morty, Morty, you, you, you the timeline's in danger. You get, The only way to solve it is you, you got you to lick my balls. You got to lick my balls, Marty. And Marty's like, you know what? Oh, gee, oh, gee, Doc, why? It, it, it's, you can kind of, if you close your eyes and, and think about, you know, Marty McFly, and you can kind of see the patterns where Doc's yeah. always just crazy. Like, oh, my God, if you hug your mom, the world's going to end. And Marty's yeah. like, well, oh, I don't I understand why that is, or this is so heavy, and he doesn't really question it. And they took that 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 core dynamic where the the scientist mm-hmm. knows everything, and the kid is just all kind of like balls and not much brains, and they just 
pushed it to the breaking point because Rick, they changed it because they don't want to get their asses sued. Yeah. Rick is positioned in the series as literally the most intelligent being in the universe. Mm-hmm. And Morty, his grandson, is uh, an idiot. Mm-hmm. But maybe, but I've been thinking about it, maybe he's not an idiot. Maybe it's just that he's got like exceptionally high emotionally IQ, mm. whereas Rick is very deficient in that area. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, by Rick's standards of intelligence, he right. is an idiot. Right, right, right. Um, but that's the thing, like, it, it keeps at it, because. They also, with all these science fiction uh, elements, like many worlds and multiple dimensions and infinite um, timelines that Rick mm-hmm. uh, can, you know, uh, can can surf with his portal gun, um, you know, it constantly challenges you. Like, is Rick really an asshole, or is this a natural consequence of a very super intelligent person being aware of how the universe really is? Sure, yeah. And maybe he's being, like, the most rational and completely understandable person right. in the universe from his own perspective. Like, like one of the early episodes in season one is Rick, through a bunch of comedic fuck-ups, destroys the world. Mm-hmm. He, all the humans are mutated in these Cronenberg-esque, disgusting monsters. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I got one more thing to fix it, Morty. And he pulls out his uh, – he, he, like, scans the, the timelines – and he finds a timeline where he and Morty were doing something in the garage that killed themselves. Mm-hmm. And they portal just as you see Rick and Morty are like, oh, there you go, Morty, just tighten on that screw, and it explodes. And they're just, just – in, in animation, they're splattered all over the garage, and the portal opens up. Rick and Morty step out of it, and Rick's like, okay, Morty, grab a shoulder. we got we got to bury these guys. Yeah. And they just come into a dim- dimension and, and take these guys' lives without uh, – you know, even a thought. Well, it fucks well, up Morty. Well, Morty does, yeah. Morty always is, like, the conscience. Right. right. Yeah. But the, the other thing that is interesting about it is that, like, Rick is super smart, but he's still a human. Mm-hmm. So he does have these irrational – like, he – like, he'll be the first one to say, like, there, I have an infinite number of grandkids. How can you threaten one? Yeah. But yet he does have some kind of weird preference for his own grandkids. Yeah, which to me speaks of uh, – to, like – that nature in human beings as well, yeah. right? Like, we know maybe that some things are rationally uh, the right choice, but yeah. it just doesn't feel good to do them, right? And, then, like, with 7 billion planet people on this planet, like... It's is, just magnified, yeah. Yeah, is my, is my son really special? Should I, like, I mean, how... Like, if, if, if I could kill ten, 100 people to save his life... Right. Should I? Yeah. But I probably would, but mm-hmm. that makes no sense, like... When you're thinking of it purely from an objective standpoint, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Rick is, is very much like an some kind of weird, fucked up, objective voice right. in the show. Like like Morty in the first episode in season three, he says he's not a villain, but he's he's also not a hero. He's more like a demon or some kind of <laughs> fucked up god. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I like how they play with it is that, you know, so in, in all these timelines, there's lots of Ricks. Mm-hmm. And they've all, because the, 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 the official government of the universe, the Federation, um, which seems to be dominated by these weird cricket beings, mm-hmm. uh, uh, are always trying to get, because he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's an intergalactic, interdimensional terrorist in their eyes. Yeah. Because of all the crazy fucked up demon god and fucked up god shit he does. I'm not sure how they would actually really know that, though, because, like, isn't. Like they don't have the interdimensional portal gun, right? So they how the would ability, they know about all yeah. the other exploits he does? It's like cause that's, because so you know one of the other crazy things I did is I bought all the Blu-rays and I listened to all the commentaries, and I guess that was an intense debate in amongst the writers' room is like should Rick be more powerful than the government? 
because mm-hmm. in this first episode of Rick and Morty, you see the government has like these portals, but it's more like they can they can teleport anywhere in the universe, but they cannot jump timelines. That's dimensions, the power yeah. that Rick has. He can inf- he can harness the infinite timelines of infinite dimensions uh, and right. kind of effortlessly surf that. So. Um, what was your question? <laughs> oh, my question was just how would they know about his interdimensional exploits if they're stuck within their own dimension or That's timeline? A, I, I imagine it's like the they they talk. I, I don't think they they know. There's like the the C one thirty seven reality, which is kind of like you know our reality, right? And that's the the the, the one where the Federation. I'm sure they're in other timelines, but they see all the shit that him and Squanchy and Bird Person get up to, and I think they've surmised. Okay. You know, All if right. you see you have a SEAL Team Ricks, that's the other thing they introduced in the ep- the season one episode. Yeah, the Citadel of Ricks is also awesome. Yeah, and that, <laughs> but the, the other thing they introduced, this concept, is like if you have an infinite versions of yourself, um, this is something they talk about a lot in the commentaries, um, there's a version of you that's the most you. Like, like if infinite version okay. of Ricks, there's going to be a Rick that's got a chromosomal problem when he was born, and now he's mentally handicapped. Or, I would argue that for every Rick... The most Rick is you, mm. but but the, the from, from your perspective, you are the most Rick. But but in this universe, like it's it's kind of like known that the the Rickest Rick is the mm-hmm. Rick of this of this uh, of, of this particular focus, and he's always right. like. And then there's a couple ways that manifests itself, like the fact that the Citadel of Ricks have banded together against the government. He's like, well, f- you guys have already abdicated your Rickness by banding together and being a bunch of sheep. Uh-huh. Like I'm the renegade Rick. Fuck all you all. Uh, and like it seems like the average Rick doesn't re- that really doesn't care about his family, mm-hmm. but this one does yeah. in some weird fucked up way because like there's it's lots true. of scenes now he doesn't care like there's a couple scenes where um, one of the Ricks had this idea that created like a, a daycare for his his son-in-law Jerry mm-hmm. who is kind of like emotional punch he's the Meg. Uh, from Family Guy of the series. Yeah. And at the end, they get their... Uh, they, so there's like, you know, there's hundreds of Jerry's in this giant adult daycare that they've trapped him in. <laughs> and they go to pick him up at the end, and they find out that Morty mixed up the tickets. Uh-huh. So at the very end of the episode, they just swap dads, and the dads are kind of like, ah, but it doesn't... Like, Rick just doesn't give a shit. But for some reason, his daughter and his grandkids are the things that are important to him. Yeah. And I don't know. They just, just they generate a lot of emotional drama. Um the thing that's different about this cartoon than like a Simpsons is um, there's been a couple episodes where I'm just like they're borderline devastating. Hmm. Um, do you remember? Because okay. I know you haven't you haven't like seen this shit as much as I have. But do you remember the time when he had uh, his he met up with his ex girlfriend who is a uh, what yeah. do you call those uh, on that planet where um, that's a collective consciousness? Yeah, like yeah. she takes over a whole world's worth worth of people and micromanages their lives and and. Yeah. Like there's a, there's there's also a story within a story because they ask you like, you know, is this better? Like she's running this perfect planet, but they don't have free will. Mm-hmm. And then later, like Rick gets her super high on some crazy drugs he's caught, and she starts losing control of the planet, and and, just and goes crazy. And the grandkids think this is great, but it yeah. turns out that this was a virulent planet of vicious racists that was going to tear apart each other right. at the kind of like humanity. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, is it better to have a perfect planet where everything runs in harmony and unity? Or and at the end of the episode, um, the collective being unity, I think is her name, uh, breaks up with Rick mm-hmm. and's like, look, I. 
you know, it's ironic that this single consciousness is the thing that's like my kryptonite, but like I'm an unhealthy, bad person when I'm with you, and she breaks up with them. And the the whole last bit of the episode is Rick trying to do this convoluted. You, you understand that he's going to he's going to commit suicide, and the only way it doesn't work is because he's so drunk at the end that he passes out as the beam is going to vaporize his head. <laughs> okay. Um, huh, and something that said ended. in the commentary was that like he drinks like like he he first he he creates this brand new form of life. It's like this baby blob, and mm-hmm. it's crying. He picks it up and he comforts it. And he pours this chemical over it, and then he puts it in the beam, and it gets disintegrated. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, there again, he's fucked up. But Dan said that in the writer's room, they meant that to convey uh, that he was drinking, that, that that was some fluid that, like, collapsed all of your possibilities into, like, a singularity. So, like, Rick was going to commit suicide of himself and all mm-hmm. realities simultaneously. Huh. Okay. And, like, when I... I and, and but but I, when I remember the first lot of episode, like, I sat on the couch for like a couple minutes because it had this really great song by this band called Chaos Chaos playing, and it was just brutal, just just like just like really soul crushing. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this is Dan Harmon's exploration of his own demons, uh, how he feels about himself and his relationships with people and yeah. family and stuff like that. Um, and and I don't know enough about the maybe you do know mm-hmm. enough about him to really comment on that but it seems like this is a very personal thing for him it is yeah. and and i this uh, you, you mentioned that you don't like dan Harmon the person oh, from well, from what i know about it no no that's yeah. that's it's, it's fair because um he is uh i mean this is the guy that got fired from the sarah silverman show because mm-hmm. he would be in a room with sarah silverman and um uh rob schraub who are very funny people and he would be ranting that he's the only one that gives a shit about whether the show's funny or not right Right, uh, come on, really? Right, Sarah. Like again, Sarah. And there's other, whose name is on this fucking show, dude? Right. Um, whose reputation's on the line? And he got fired. He got fired from Community because yeah. he cared more about the show than. In, but and what I think is to his credit is like in for for the last three or four years he's been through some pretty intense like therapy, and I do mm-hmm. feel feel like he's getting better. Okay. Like like he he is trying to he's starting to figure out the 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 shit in his life and like why he is the way he is and which I think is admirable and the fact that he shares it all kind of in real time with the internet is is brave and I think is interesting. Does um, he still drink a gallon of rum or a gallon no, of still, gin every still, podcast? I mean, so that's the thing. Like if Jesus, I think there's probably people putting the two and two together that like Rick is kind of a Mary Sue for him. Right. He's like yeah. a hyper intelligent, highly functioning alcoholic that is always right, even when he's wrong. Right. And <laughs> like, I think that's like, like Rick is like the, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate manifestation of a Dan Harmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like not just smart in comedy. He's just pan pan dimensionally smart and arrogant, and he can drink as much as he wants. and And he he always manages to be a hero. Um, but he puts a lot of stuff. Like for example, in this last right. episode, you see uh, they're actually doing this thing where Beth, who is his daughter, and Jerry, who's the the dad, who's just an inept. He's played by uh, shit. What's that guy? He does this, yeah I... Cyril Figgins on Archer. He's just really good at playing this nerdy, weak kind of. V- Dude, I can't think of his name, but yeah, uh, Parnes, Chris Parnell. Chris okay, Parnell. yes, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just he's he's. I mean, Jerry's the worst. 
he's thin skinned. He is. He's arrogant, even though he has nothing to be arrogant about. Yeah. Um, he is needy and mm-hmm. uh, emotionally available, but uh, unavailable, but also like wants all this attention and stuff. And Beth has had enough in the season. They're getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. And, like, when he shows up to say goodbye to the kids, he's wearing this weird windbreaker and, like, hat. Yeah, what's up with that? So that's a very – Dan said that that was a reaction when him and his – when his dad and his mom was going through divorce. And his dad would pick him up on the weekends and it's like, dad would just, like, it's windbreaker dad. <laughs> like, like as a okay. kid trying to figure out that, like, his dad's now moved out from his mom and he's wearing different clothes and he's got a different – like that's like a real huh. life memory that his dad showed up in more or less that outfit to pick him up one weekend. Like, right. what the fuck? <laughs> huh. But it works because like I, I don't know why it works. Like it taps in. It works some... because it's honest. I think. Yeah. Um, like like if you've been through a divorce, you've been, your parents have rocky times, and it's like con- like it's confusing from a kid uh, perspective. And I feel like that they it, it feels true because yeah, it is true. I think so. I I haven't been through like my parents being divorced or anything, but mm-hmm. I think. If you have been, there's probably something in here that maybe you couldn't voice yourself, mm-hmm. but when you're watching the show, it might it might kind of flash on and you, you understand, right. okay, these are the things that I was feeling at this time. Why was I feeling them? And it doesn't give you necessarily answers, but right. it, it gives you the means to question your own feelings about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think th- that's what he does so well. He does he does a couple things really well. A, he's he's super honest and he's unflinching when it comes to like bearing himself right. in the show right. um and i totally respect that uh i i think there are a lot of other things he does well um that were kind of showcased in community a lot when... i think like for example i put him right up there with kevin smith for dialogue i actually think yeah. it's better yeah it's great because kevin smith can't direct i don't think like can't his direct. dialogue is great but like if you go back and watch like a chasing amy or clerks like the dialogue is no, good but the people saying it they're pacing it's very it reminds me a lot of watching Star Wars, yeah. A New Hope. Yeah. Like, you can see what's there, but, like, the actors are kind of flailing, and they're not really getting it. And mm-hmm. and this is also, I've, I've watched the documentaries. Like, I've heard Ben Affleck say that, like, this guy types his very particular way, and, like, if you try to change it to flow better, he's like, no, fuck it. Read it as written, please. Huh. And, uh... So, but I, so I feel like he's got a, a genius gift for dialogue, and he's also got a way of like getting the performance he wants out of people. Mm-hmm. Or uh, actually, I don't think he directs much, so maybe he just picks director. Maybe that's the secret. Yeah, you should never try to write and direct. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Um, but I, I think you know one of the things he does really well in Community is he kind of comes up with interesting takes on. I mean, it's essentially what Rick and Morty is—an interesting mm-hmm. take on a pop culture. Uh, touch point touchstone for mm-hmm. everybody right like yeah. he'll have episodes that are aliens he'll have the episodes that are episodes. back to the future yeah. right his halloween ones were always really good um I-, I think he's like got a real good eye for like twisting ideas and and nostalgic ideas that you already have about things mm-hmm. um if you watch community it's all over that right uh but i think the thing that's special about rick and morty is he has the ability to really do anything on this show because yes. with community you're constrained by the setting, which right. is a bunch of people in I forget is it an English class they start out studying for I think or so. it's a community college though right they're at a community college and it has to be grounded in reality. Whereas Rick and Morty, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yep. He can use that to make his point. He can use that to uh, do something funny with you know a pop culture reference. Right. I think Rick and Morty is like the ultimate creative outlet for him. 
Would it surprise you to know that he is extremely self-loathing about that pop culture stuff? Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, he does it so well, and it's kind of like beloved. I I know, but I feel like he thinks that's his one-trick pony. Yeah, he like anytime he goes to it, right? Yeah, he's like. But I think that's one of the reasons the quality of the show is so high. Is that like after I've seen some of these commentaries, like it seems like everybody just cares so much about this being great not just funny like it's it's got to be it's got to make you laugh but they want to do everything in every episode and they're they they will not stop until they achieve what they think is is good so when any anytime he's doing like a, a mad max episode it's like god are we really going to just fucking do a mad max episode is that yeah. really like what's interesting about this mm-hmm. and and i think that like yeah and in maybe you just do the mad max episode but the brutal evolutionary process he puts it through results in the best version right like it pays homage the way you want it it skewers it where you want it it points out all the absurdities but also the reasons we like it and it ties it into the fundamental nature of those characters right Right. and the things that they're going through in their their quote-unquote real lives right right. at any given moment right yeah i think it's brilliant um so the the one I don't know as much about because he's honestly um, he's a he's a troll he's just a pure troll is uh, Justin Roiland. Okay. Justin Roiland does the, almost all of the voices on the show. Does he uh, do Rick? He does Rick and Morty. Really? And like again, just about damn a, a, a shocking amount of the voices that are not like recognizable celebrity voices. Yeah, I could have sworn Rick would be Dan. Nuh-uh. It kind of sounds like him. Well, you know what? Uh, Dan actually can do a very good Rick and Morty, okay. but it's fine. Cause I like, bet, yeah, yeah, like it's it's not quite as good as Justin's, but it's uh-huh. it's it's getting up there. Um, and I think so. We've talked about the stuff that I like about Rick and Morty, but the other stuff that I like is that how like fucking absurd it can be, mm-hmm. and like almost all of the insane absurdity comes from Justin Roiland. Huh. That okay. that's like Dan sees his job as like harnessing this manic genius and pounding it into like more conventional emotionally satisfying plots because yeah. it was if it's justin it would just be you know rick wanting morty to lick his balls right and all the monsters have the planet of the butts and planet of yeah. the butts and but sometimes you you need that like for example the interdimensional cable shows which are like a mainstay of the first two seasons where yeah. the conceit of that is rick reprograms the family cable box to be able to watch cable from every dimensional simultaneously yeah and that's just justin Improving in a booth, and the animators then draw whatever crazy fucked up thing he's saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's the tension of the show. Like Justin is just wanting to do. He doesn't give a shit about continuity. He doesn't give a shit about like the emotional resonance. Uh, and Dan does. So they like they they their their talents work well together. Yeah. And sometimes Justin's like, "Fuck this! I want to go into the booth and just." No writing, no plotting. I just want to say a bunch of crazy shit and have the animators draw it. And so he gets mm-hmm. to do that once or twice. And then, you know, Dan does the rest of the stuff. Yeah, seems like a good compromise. Yeah. But um, I've always enjoyed the interdimensional cable episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So having said all that, uh, what did you think of the first two episodes of season three? Because as we last left Rick, he had uh, – he, he – Oh man! How do yeah, I at the end of season this? two, he um, went to his friend's bird bird person's wedding. The happened happened to be a a, a giant sting uh-huh. to get all of the intergalactic interdimensional 
quote unquote terrorists in one spot so the Federation can arrest them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick managed to escape with his family, and then they're living on. They had these three different planets. <laughs> planets, yeah. <laughs> one was the planet where everything was on a cob. Uh-huh. that's the brilliant thing is like you just realize that everything's on a cob and Rick starts freaking out like everybody gotta go like like for <laughs> why whatever, whatever, I mean yeah everything's on a cob okay okay that's a little weird but uh-huh. is it that bad but is it like, worse than living on this tiny <laughs> he whips out this microscope he goes to the atomic level and the atoms are actually even on a cob he's like everything's on a cob we've gotta go like I don't right. know what and they don't even explain it that's that just sounds what like it a Roiland idea to me right <laughs> yeah. and then you go to this other planet where it looks like just like earth and it's beautiful and then the sun rises and the the sun is just full throated screaming. Yeah. It's got an anthropomorphic face. It's just screaming. Uh-huh. And the days last forty two hours. So they're like fuck this. So then they live. They 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 they, they move this planet. It's about three hundred yards across. Yeah, it's tiny. Um, you can and, walk around it in about ten minutes. Right. Not even. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like forty he, seconds. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, and Rick overhears them having a conversation about how shitty their life is because of him, and he decides to turn himself into the federal, the, the Federation government, mm-hmm. and he's in their supermax space prison. In uh, the first episode, was star uh, guest starring Nathan Fillion as one of the bugs that's interrogating him. Uh, is his breakout of that and then the second episode is essentially dealing with the family going through a divorce uh juxtaposed against them raiding a mad max type dimension for some kind of glowing green power rock yeah i don't know what he's gonna do with that but probably something powerful um which which i I thought it was funny i thought the second episode was probably funnier uh interesting um in general, I I don't know. I mean, the stinger on the second episode was hilarious. Yes. Uh, so I might just be remembering, like, I have a recency bias, perhaps. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, I really liked – I don't know. It was it was the stuff with Morty's arm uh-huh. uh, I thought was hilarious every time yeah. they went to it. Uh, like, his arm, like, became a character? It did, Like, yeah. it had – it can't – It had its out, own motivation. Uh, and it can't speak except through, like, gestures and stuff. But, like, yeah, yeah. the way – the way they told it in like first arm perspective, his backstory, and, yeah. and I thought it was, I yeah, I thought it was genius. And then the idea that Morty, who abhors violence, like mm-hmm. the, some of the highlights is when he's forced to like you know confront like like when the pacifist shit blows up in his face or he succumbs to some murderous rage. He's this guy who now has his arm that's literally the size of the rest of his body, yep. and he gets thrown into this Thunderdome situation. <laughs> just starts. He's just beating lumping. people to death, and he's horrified by it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I've had enough. And then the arm starts waving people and doing the Hulk, <laughs> right. doing the Hulk Hogan thing with his ears. Uh-huh. Oh god, it's it's and plus it's and, and then Morty at some point uh, starts to use it to take out his own frustrations right. about the divorce because which... he's angry about his dad not wanting to fight for the family and how his dad's kind of right. a pussy and yeah, you know, it's like, well, if you love her and he kind fight, of sees that not... kind of stuff in himself, right? Yeah, and he's, he's kind of rebelling against that at a point. Like, right? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Also. The the grandkid bots I thought were pretty good. Uh, the spaghetti stuff. See, that's knowing what I know about their writing process, and it, it took them like eighteen months to write this season because, um, like, they had they, the, the um, that's the other cool thing. If you're a big Rick and Morty fan, is Adult Swim is having an after the show called Ricking Morty. Which oh, is they are essentially ripping off you know Talking Dead or whatever. Yeah, and it's Dan Harmon and another either writer or artist, and maybe it's just, and and there's a moderator. Um. And they just talk about the process, and he mentions that there's this one plot where, like, Rick develops this book scanner that allows them to enter the world of book. Mm-hmm. And they wrote, like, a dozen scripts and threw them all away because they never could nail the concept. Huh. Um, I so, so they never 
made that episode? Apparently not. Like okay. maybe, but I, I guess bits and pieces of it made it into other, you know, some of the ideas that generated in those 10, 12 scripts. But the, right. the, the fact that it, going back to where I'm talking, why I'm talking about this is it took 18 months just to write the fucking thing, mm-hmm. um, which is forever. I mean, that's like, you know, fucking Westworld kind of time right. to, to sweat this stuff. And then they have to draw it. And, you know, Westworld, I, it seems like those kids are a lot, there's a lot of Westworld in it, especially with them talking about, uh, come on, some summer, adjust your uh, adjust your emotional upbeatness by 15% and... Yeah, and, and dynamic lower movement your dynamic by 3% or by whatever. Three. Yeah. And, but, like, he must, they must have finished writing that right about the time Westworld was wrapping up. So, hmm. like, how, it kind of amazes me they're able to roll that pop culture stuff. I mean, I don't know, maybe... Maybe he just got he just got lucky that you know yeah. um, replicants are not as you know they don't belong to Westworld. But like I thought sure. that was that was interesting how the world they got that pop culture reference in in, in like a three week window. Yeah. Hey, I want to take a break to tell you about Club Bald Move because here's here's the here's the hard cold reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, these Bald Move TV podcasts where we just talk about you know whatever that we're watching, um, essentially everything that's not like Game of Thrones, Westworld, and and uh, Walking Dead. Uh, this podcast is approximately 0.9% as popular as Game of Thrones. 0.9. So not even a full percent. Not even a full percent. Oh, God. Not even a full percent. It's like 500 downloads away from the fi- the, the, wow. the 1% barrier. So you what might ask doing? yourself, like, well, why do you guys do it? Yeah. My response is because the club members presumably pay for it. And That's they not convincing it. enough for me. Why am I doing this? <laughs> uh, it's all theoretical. So, like, I guess... If if you if you because because we could do other things that probably would be you know maybe like five percent as popular as Game of Thrones yeah. but if you like if you like the Bald Move TV uh, and and some of the smaller stuff that we do like that uh, the best way to keep it coming is to vote with your dollars go to club.baldmove.com sign up for the club not and and you you, you don't just get these free features you're not just you're not just supporting freeloaders you get a bunch of premium content like if you like this I'm sure you'd like. Uh, our quips, our quit your pitchins, uh, one that's dropping today. You'd probably like our spoiler filled movie podcast. You'd probably like Lunch with Jim and Aaron, which is a podcast we get together on Friday afternoons and we take Q and A from the audience. We talk about stuff going on in our life. It's just a general interest podcast, and and you could be enjoying it right now if you join the club. Uh, but also, yeah, it 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 funds all this other crazy stuff because we do this full time as a as a job. The only way we're able to make five to ten podcasts a week is is working at it. Uh, full time. So go out to club.baldmove.com uh, if you like this kind of conversation and keep it going. Uh, I know. I think I enjoyed the second episode a little bit more. I like the first one because it was just it was the only thing that bothered me about the first one is uh, they went back to the well of Rick ultimately fools someone inside a simulator by like because he did that with the um, uh, I think they're called Zygerians. <laughs> The the Zygerian hmm. scammers that trap people in simulations and extract information from them, and they put Rick in a simulation inside a simulation inside a simulation, and ultimately, uh, when he they they want you to believe that Rick is still fooled, and they're trying to get away, and he reveals the formula for power matter or whatever some shit. Mm-hmm. It turns out it's a fake recipe that just blows them up as soon as they try to use it. Hmm. They okay. went back to yeah. that well with with here where it's like. You know, I, I guess it works because why can't he do the same scam on two different parties? Sure, yeah. Um, but it, it the fact that um, and then <laughs> where are you on uh, turning the government's currency like it's worth one of itself to zero of itself? 
Yeah. Uh, I th- I think, it's a funny idea. I think they like, went for broke with the execution. They did, Oh, for sure. They always go for broke right. with the execution. Like, I can't say enough good about how this thing is drawn either. Yeah. Like, oh. the animation is awesome. Yes. There, there will be moments where you can tell the script literally just says, like, chaos in the background or something. Right. And, and dialogue for Rick and Morty as they run through the chaos. But yeah. the chaos looks amazing. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. And there's like, and, and I guess that this is extraordinarily hard to animate because the, they usually have an animator in these uh, commentaries and they're always talking about like, you know, you can write, have a dome where there's thousands of Mortys strapped to it and they're being gouged uh, by mechanical knives to create some kind of psychic pain shield for this evil Rick that's inside. But like, motherfucker, try to draw it. Yeah. Like individually animate all of those Mortys <laughs> as you're panning through it. And like some of these crazy backgrounds where you have hundreds of characters that are all visually distinct yeah. and they're hand animated they're fighting like, each other and their guts yeah. are being sprayed all over yes. and yeah yes it looks cool but like i felt like that idea is like that's because because one of my criticisms is dan is that i don't think he i don't think he knows a lot about politics nor economics but he has very strong hmm. opinions on them and i felt like that that's uh-huh. a parody of the like like he doesn't understand a fiat co- currency right so like just like making the dollar worth zero in his mind would destroy an entire civilization, which I don't think mm-hmm. it would. But as the bugs have this thing, it's like, well, you know, like, yeah, we can mobilize, but who's going to pay the people we're mobilizing? And then it's like, well, you know, the, their, 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 their payment will be their patriotic duty to the, f- and it's like, wait a second, who's paying me to yell at this guy? And right. the other guy's like, well, I could tell you for money. And the pre- the thing that, that sold me on it was when the president says, gentlemen, gentlemen, <laughs> there's a solution you haven't been considering. And he draws his gun out and just shoots, just blows his head off. Which, like, blows the skin off and then the jelly inside, like, collapses onto the desk. It's really brilliantly it, But it makes sense because he's got an exoskeleton. Right. So, right. like, there's no skull. Like, it's, like, it's, you know, once he vaporizes the outer layer, just goo inside there. Yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the – and the fact that um, there's also this, like, I think Nathan Fillion's a genius. Mm-hmm. And he's this bug that's interrogating Rick inside a simulation. And Rick escapes it by beaming himself into the, this, this – uh, <laughs> This bug's brain. Yep. And when he gets out, Nathan Fillion is doing essentially a parody of his own voice as if Justin Ro- – like like he's doing a, a version of Rick that's doing an imitation of a Nathan Fillion voice. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I thought I that was – and the, and he's still saying stuff like, you know, when his, his superior is praising him and it's like – you know, you you should you should you should feel proud in your accomplishments, son. It's like, thank you, sir. I don't. I always wait to to, to feel pride. I always wait for permission to feel pride. And uh, I don't know. I thought that was that was really good. And just like how rude Goldberg it was. Like, yeah, the SEAL team Ricks come. He takes over one of them, and then he's a sole survivor. And he you know, he's got the scene where it's like, oh, he won't. He this this the survivor won't talk to anyone unless they have higher level clearance. And mm-hmm. he puts the admiral on the phone. He zaps into his brain and. I don't know. It's yeah. really good. And That's, then, oh, I, I want to talk about the the mission statement this season seems to be darkness. Yeah, yeah. Which is surprising given how dark I think seasons one and two got. Sure. Uh, I don't know how much darker you want to go, Dan, but sure, let's see it. So, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, do you believe Rick at the end of that episode where it's it's a callback to season one where he's, he's ranting and raving about 100 years, Rick and Morty, rickandmorty.com. <laughs> right. Um, and that's just, Which are always hilarious scenes. That's that's all Justin Roiland. Like, I doubt nice. he has a script. He's just screaming and yeah. making shit up. Um, which, by the way, if you want to know, if you want to know about Justin Roiland, uh, 
some some VR expo in Los Angeles paid him to be the keynote speaker. No, Jesus. And if you search for I forget what it is, but like Justin Roiland VR, he does this thirty minute PowerPoint that is insane. <laughs> and like I he might have even written it the night before. Uh-huh. And the only reason it works is because he's fuck Justin fucking Roiland. Yeah. Um and he's he's making fun of people. He's making fun of how shitty his own shit is and like people are people are eating it up cuz he's he's got his own kind of comic genius. Anyway. Yeah. Uh I forget where I was going with this. Oh. Um where are you do you believe how much do you believe Rick when he says like the only reason I saved the grandkids is because I wanted to like take over the family and I want to be the patriarch of not just the family, but the universe. And I knew Beth, but like in, in his middle of his rant, it, n- it doesn't make internal sense. Like yeah, why does he yeah. give a shit about Beth? Like why does he need Beth's house to live in? Sure. And, and why does he need this Rick or this Morty and, and this uh, Morty's sister? I can't remember. Her Summer. Name. Summer. Yeah. Uh, why does he need either of them? He's got an infinite amount of them as he points out many, many times. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's something about that that doesn't ring quite true, but at the same time, I'm like, I want to, I just, I kind of want to see how far down the rabbit hole we can go here, right? Because the hallmark of this show has always been it gets really weird and really dark sometimes, right? Uh, if they can take that to the next level in season three, I'm all in. Where are you at with like Beth and Jerry's relationship? Because I thought, like, throughout two seasons, they kept finding plausible ways for these people uh, to be together. And, and it mm-hmm. ultimately it always seemed very codependent. But, like, but, I could... And it always seemed very fragile, too. I, yes. I don't think... It, it, you should see this coming. Yeah. You should see this divorce coming, and I think it should be a permanent thing. Right. But I don't, also, I don't know how to split infinities. Because, like, say there's an infinite versions of Rick and, and – or of Beth and Jerry. Sure. And 99% of the infinities, they split up. Uh-huh. That 1% is still an infinite number of happily right. married uh, Beth and Jerry's. It is. Yeah. Um, and they played around with that with the, with the first interdimensional cable where um, they're flipping through the channels and they went to one reality where Jerry's a famous movie star. Uh-huh. And the whole fan – like – Rick, Rick and Morty kept watching television, and the rest of the family is obsessed with their other alternate selves. Like, which here's the version of Beth where she's not just a horse surgeon; she's like a real people surgeon. Uh-huh. And here's Jerry, uh, or Jerry's like doing cocaine off Kristen Stewart's boobs and hanging out with Johnny Depp. And but at the end of the episode, as they're both like Jerry watches, you know, there's this slow speed police chase where he's on some kind of. Um, uh, what do you call those rascal scooters? Mm-hmm. He's got a hypodermic. He's got his head's half shaved. He's got a hap, ha, hypodermic needle sticking out of his uh, his heart, and he drives up to Beth's house, who's the successful people person, and she's just getting drunk on wine and, and tending to her birds. And she's watching through the goggles as herself opens the door, and and Jerry says, "I'm so sorry that we broke up in high school and we had that abortion, and I've never stopped loving you." And they got back together, and I'm like, "Okay." Um, does that mean that they're like fated to be in this crazy code of bit? Hmm. Like, like I, I, I just think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I would say that's probably one of an infinite amount of outcomes to that, right? That particular interaction, right? You know, do you also? I, I kept thinking because they brought in some like in, originally just Rick and Morty, and no one in the family knew what Rick and Morty were getting up to, and mm-hmm. then Summer is gradually. Um, by accident or design, gotten more into the you know 
her grandfather's crazy space world. Yeah. Um, but Jerry and Beth still have no fucking clue. About... It was really that one where she got locked in the car, right? Was yeah. that like the one? Keep summer safe. Yeah. Which, speaking of fucked up and dark, that, it was. That's one of Holy my. That's, that's one of my favorites though. Uh huh. Especially because summer keeps putting the. She gets locked in the car. This is why these podcasts are stupid. I'm just going to tell you something that's funny. Well, what I'm really doing is I'm I'm hoping that more people watch Rick and Morty. I'm I'm hoping that yeah, this yeah. is interesting enough. But she gets locked in the car. Uh, Rick says tells the car to keep Summer safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the B plot. This is the less interesting plot. Right. And so the car is like anytime like a, a random guy comes to like hurt Summer and he he dices that person the cube the the car dices that person in the laser cubes. Uh. And then the second guy comes up who's the buddy of the first, like, thug, and he's like, oh, my God, what did you do? And Summer's like, you can't kill people. So then the car paralyzes it, <laughs> and it just gets – then she's like, we can't hurt people. So then the next thing, the SWAT team comes, and this cylinder pops out, and she scanned these guys' faces and got all of their history. The car is a, is a female, too. Mm-hmm. And she generates some uh, – ba- like a, a, a kid. She finds out that the SWAT team commander – this kid drowned in a swimming pool that summer, so she generates a clone of it to ask him, like, Daddy, please don't hurt the car. And then it melts, uh-huh. and it just gets, like, fucking – oh, it gets fucking weirder and weirder. You're uh, going somewhere with bringing Summer in. Yeah. You know, I, why – I, I, I think it would be interesting, and I wonder if that's what they're going to do with, with Beth and Jerry's relationship, is if, like, the knowledge of um, – the infinite universes is kind of freeing too, because that was one mm-hmm. of the points that you know Summer was making in the episode where she finds out that like she's essentially an unwanted child. Like her parents would be a better people if they had if Beth had gotten the abortion in high school. Right. And Morty's like, look, Summer, I'm not even your real brother. Your real brother is rotting out in the backyard. Uh-huh. No- nothing means anything, which means anything can mean something. So why don't you just come and watch TV with me and Grandpa and stop like essentially get over yourself i wonder if that the fact that there's an infinite version of beth and jerry's that are happily married like if they were aware of that like what what would that do to your relationship <laughs> like if you're th- if you're if you're thinking huh. about splitting up with your girlfriend uh. uh and you know that's always a difficult time but you knew you're absolutely certain there's an infinite versions of you where you guys are divorced and split up and happy yeah, I li- think it gives you license to do whatever you want you know live huh. live in the moment sort of thing but what is that like to the extent that that would be real and this is all science fiction but like uh, I, I don't even know what that does to the human consciousness like if, right. if we were confronted with the that being a reality and we could actually access those realities what does that mean that you can yeah do if you can access them that's that's yeah if you can do anything you want like but what's the point uh-huh Sure. Because you're simultaneously doing all those things and nothing. Yeah. So what is your impetus for action? Like, one a... of me's got to do this thing. Right. Because there's an infinite number of people. I can justify anything. Right. So do you then justify, like, well, then I might as well, might as well be me? Or do you, like, well, yeah, fuck sure. it, I'll let somebody. I mean, I don't. And if it's all you, what's the difference between the you that did it and the you that said, oh, fuck it, I'll let the other, I'll let the C-135 version of me do it? <laughs> uh. This is the shit I think about when I'm watching right, the show. Right. No, it's it's that idea of, I guess, infinite possibilities being created at every moment. Like, you know, I, I have a choice to make, right? Right. Um, let's say I have a choice whether or not to get out of bed at 9 a.m. or 9.01 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I make that choice. Well, one of me has also made the other choice. Um, 
now I've got the choice to get out of bed at 9.01 or 9.02. Mm-hmm. I'd still, I make one choice, the other me has made another choice. There's an infinite amount of universes spawning off of your, right. uh, off of every moment. Right. You know, every tick of time. Right. Such that it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It gets It gets very weird very fast. And that's the thing I like about Rick and Morty is it always kind of, at least, if it doesn't go down every avenue, it at least explores it and acknowledges it. Right. Um, says, hey, we've thought about this. Here's how we view it. Now, here's the tack we're going to take, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and they do, they have, um, I like I said, it's some, it's, I put it right up there, Black Mirror, for some of the most thought-provoking science fiction. Sure, yeah. But it's this also juvenile it is. world where all the aliens look like testicle monsters. No, it's perfect for me. Uh-huh. I love it. Yeah, I do, too. I know. And then now, also, I want to say, here are the reasons you're going to watch the first few episodes of Rick and Morty, and you're going to be like, what the fuck are Jim and, and Aaron talking about? Because there's mm-hmm. some things that might drive you nuts. These are the things that drove me nuts. Everyone's pupils look like ants having a seizure. Okay, yeah. And that really drove me their crazy. Teeth. Their teeth are what do it for me. Like, sometimes their teeth are solid. Like, uh-huh. it, you know how you think of drawn teeth, where yeah. they're just a solid block of white with lines through it? Uh-huh. Other times, they're like these jagged, spiky things just uh-huh. protruding out of their mouths. Well, the fact that Rick is always has, like, some kind of vomit or drool uh-huh. hanging from his lips. And he's always belching right into the mic. And, and, unless he's completely sober, which is, like, not... Five percent of the show, then he doesn't have the vomit. But like, yeah. the, the constant belching as he's talking mm-hmm. uh, is really a lot to deal with. It is, and, and <laughs> I, I think that is is that getting better, or have I just gotten used to it? Because I I I, I can still watch a pilot episode and be like, Jesus Christ, Rick is burping a lot. Yeah, no, I, I think they've done less of it over the years. Huh. Uh, I can it, recall like two instances from these these last couple episodes. Okay. I think they use it more for effect now than right. they do just a constant mannerism. Right. When Rick was ranting in the end of like this, this fucking drool spit green shit was yeah. just flying everywhere. Um, the other thing that I thought was really or when dumb, he has something like particularly profound to say and he just belches right in the middle of it. <laughs> right. Which just changed like which octave he's talking. Uh-huh, in. Uh-huh. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wasn't quite sure about is uh, the catchphrasing. Like, some of that stuff felt oh, like the wubba lubba dub dub, dub dub and yep. shit. Like, that felt really forced. And at some point, I turned the corner on it, and now I love it. Yeah. I mean, it gives something – it gives, like, fans a touchstone. You know, right. they can just go through a con and shout wubba lubba dub dub, and everybody knows what they're talking about. But then they also – and I don't want to engage too much in spoilers, but they also then start pinning continuity on it. And, like, oh, you find that the wubbla, it's like, it, you think it's grandpa's crazy catchphrase, but it actually means this in an alien language, and what is the implication of that? And, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. There's, like, all this, uh, and there's, like, the other thing that's, the, the other thing that scares me about the show, because uh, that's, I, I, I can't think of any other negatives. Like, it, they, they yeah. constantly swear it's beeped out on Cartoon Network if you watch it on, it's sometimes it's jarring when I, like, we watched it on Amazon just now, and I'm like, oh, shit, they say fuck a lot on this show. Uh-huh. Crazy amount of times. Uh, kids mm. and everything. I don't think uh, I've ever seen it live, so mm. I've only got the unedited. You've only got the unedited? Yeah. I, sometimes I think bleeping makes it funnier. Occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's it's really – it's like I thought when uh, – <laughs> You know what you should do is go make a, a cut of Rick and Morty where uh, all of his belches are bleeped. Mm. <laughs> And yeah, that would be interesting. Well, I always thought you were going to say so. We should make a bald move edition where all we we bleep all of our swear words. 
Oh, for us? Yeah. I, would that be funny? Would that be a funny effect? Ooh, it would be. I don't know. It would be a full time job. It would be. Uh, we need we, a dedicated editor for that. We couldn't afford to pay someone just to be the dedicated bleeper. <laughs> but I, I was because I, I think that like there's some scenes where it's funnier, but then, um, I especially noticed that when the one of the Citadel of Rick, the the head mucky mucks, had Summer hostage. And Rick was trying to convince him to let her go by essentially saying how she meant nothing to him. Mm-hmm. And some of her, like, when she's like, what the fuck? That, that's that, that, that that's really a really good. good voice performance. It's entirely bleeped out. And the yeah. it's just, what the bleep? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's uh, it's a shame that it's got to be on. It, it should be an H. Because really the only thing that they don't do in the show is there's no full frontal nudity. Mm-hmm. Although they get close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they, they bleep the, the F word. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Having on HBO, I don't. I don't know would would open up many possibilities. Rare show that it doesn't apply. Uh, again, I don't know what the. Uh, I don't know what when we'll be back if we'll be back. Because uh, like not. I I I think. I think we'll probably only be back with an episode that really introduces something new to talk about, either yeah. in a family dynamic or a science fiction concept that we find personally interesting. Because if it's just day in and day out funny, I mean. We talked about the actual episodes for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Right. The rest was all backstory and why you should be watching it. Yeah, and if you haven't checked it out, I would definitely recommend it. I like this show a lot. Yeah, it's... It's um, it's one of the only animated shows I watch anymore. Like, South Park mm-hmm. I've fallen off of, even though I think the last season I saw was brilliant years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one I think has a lot of juice left in it, mm-hmm. to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll see where they, I also what they see, do this season with the darkness. I want to see how far they can go with this philosophy of, like, every season has to be better than the season. Like, in their minds, yeah. better than the season before it. And, like, what kind of relentless... Like, like, like what, what will this show end up being? And, you know, how many years can you do that before you burn out and you're out of ideas? Because, I mean, that's the other problem is eventually, you know, it's not... No one sets out to be a hack, but when mm-hmm. you're eight seasons in... So you're repeating yourself, yeah. Right, right. That, that can be a problem, especially since they they also tried to they try to follow the Simpsons did it rule, or like if like Simpsons had a story like that. You you think about how many takes the Simpsons have done definitively, and how yeah. much of that story those stories are taken off the table mm-hmm. for an animator. That's that's pretty brutal. Yeah, uh, but the Simpsons, I think the one thing it doesn't have to work with is this infinite possibilities of yes. interdimensional travel and timelines and yes and it does the, feel the true like sci-fi angle they've only scratched the surface of that i also yeah. wonder like because it seems like rick himself is frustrated with the fact that he has this love for his family it like yeah. it holds it holds him back <laughs> and i wonder if he'll like try to eventually experiment with um because he's already transferred his consciousness into a younger version of himself he's mm-hmm. He's done a bunch of different experimentations. I wonder if he'll try to come up with a perfect Rick that's just unemotional. But I wonder if that'll cripple Or come him. up with the perfect family. Yeah. Uh, replace the family. You know? But what do you like? Because that's the thing. Like, uh, the Citadel of Rick seem to all hate each other. Because uh-huh. uh, that's what Morty explained. It's like, you know, they, they hate Grandpa because they hate themselves. And, and our Grandpa's the, the <laughs> most himself of, of them all. Uh-huh. Uh, I like I, That could backfire if all of his family were hyper-intelligent. Then he'd probably load them as much load them as much as he does himself. Could be. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I look forward to it. Next episode is Pickle Rick. The fourth episode, which uh, the fourth episode is apparently because uh, a couple months ago they released um, like a five minute YouTube series where Justin Roiland decided to, for whatever reason, to get in character as Rick by getting 
actually smashed into the the the, the oh, booth. Oh boy. And episode four is the result of him like oh, no. getting extremely drunk. And you can watch right. you can watch like the cause the this the the producer of the show is like come on, seriously just like I and it doesn't seem like it's fake. It's like don't don't take another drink. We're barely getting usable shit for him. He's like <laughs> Fuck you! I'm the executive producer. Glug glug glug, and then he just does this stuff. So like, I'm yeah, that should be interesting. I'm I'm excited to see what the voice, what like like what the. But it's interesting because um, God, I use I use the word interesting way too much. Justin Rowland's gonna be I don't know on screen in his underwear dancing around singing like Dan. Well, there's a fine line because in Harmontown sometimes because Harmon and his the, his people drink and sometimes yeah. like that's hilarious and sometimes it gets like 70s era Johnny Carson where everyone is fucking high and drunk and the show's bad. Yeah, and these guys are laughing so hard they can't be, but no one else is in on the joke. And uh-huh. listening to the commentary, you can hear like episode one because they, they release them kind of, they 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 record them in batches. Episode one, it's like. They're drinking, but it's okay. Episode two commentary, starting to slur to speech. Episode three, it's like some things get crazy, inappropriate. Episode four, it's like we actually re-recorded the next two because we were so fucking drunk and Justin said some things that, you know, (laughs) probably wouldn't in in, in a sober light of day. So they, like, there's a a point. Like, even with that, like, okay, it's funny when somebody, when you perceive somebody as having no shame and they're willing to do things that other people... That they're considered shocking or that other people would not ever do. But they're do. saying things that you wouldn't in polite conversation. They're saying right. true things about themselves that they wouldn't otherwise because they're in Or they're willing to low. degrade themselves to get sure, a laugh in sure. some way. And I feel like Dan Harmon goes there, but sometimes that can turn on itself. Mm-hmm. And you can almost like, this man has no shame and it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like a couple of times that I've seen Dan Harmon do his thing in like Harmontown podcast, it's been a little too far for me oh for example uh, well when i say like dancing around in your underwear singing songs as a uh, for like not an attractive man i wouldn't say no the the mannequin leg joke mannequin leg joke oh oh the one yeah it's like like, this is like the time we found dad's mannequin leg that's a joke because on the podcast he confessed that when he when he masturbates, he has this mannequin leg. Oh no! That he likes to put stockings on. Oh no! And have it rub his nipple as he's kneeling on the bed jerking off. What? How does that even work? I, it rub his nipple. He's rubbing his nipple with it. Yes. Okay. And he he actually re- there's a video of him. I think you can see on YouTube where he's demonstrating the technique. Oh no! <laughs> and it's like that it's like well and that's a uh, shit like that i remember when that episode came out and like the harmontown read it was like that was a shit show and i don't know if yeah. it's like um i don't know if it was funny or good it was just like kind of like embarrassing but then it's a throwaway joke on, on rick and morty and that's okay. I, was, I was gonna say that's also something you and i have because we used to we used to get pretty fucked up doing podcasts yeah Sure. Uh, and we don't do that so much anymore because listening to the podcast, we could see like there's a threshold where, you know, you go from lubricated to just sloppy. Yeah. And it's not funny or interesting and it's just bad. Sure. So uh, it's yeah. funny to see a multi-million dollar <laughs> enterprise go through that same it thing. It is, but it's also sad sometimes. Like it, I, Yeah. That's I have a lot right? of respect for the guy as a creative artist, and when mm-hmm. I see him go, maybe what I consider a little bit too far, I feel mm-hmm. bad about it. Um, it doesn't but, seem, it... but he does not. 
He does not seem to. It also doesn't seem to cost him anything. Oh, like, sure. Like, yeah. he can do a really bad podcast uh, where he's just trashed and, and, and not being funny and being belligerent and stupid. Um, but, like, it's almost like he's trained his fans that that's part of the cost of entry. Uh-huh. Like, you go and you pay, you know, you pay 10 bucks to get into the show – and sometimes it's going to be amazing, but sometimes you're going to like leave shaken and sweaty and like, what did I just see? And that's mm-hmm. that's part of the thing. Like you can't get mad at it because. And I can imagine that that draws in a certain type of fan as well, right? Like, right. imagine. Okay, I I sign up. I, I get tickets to go see Dan Harmon. Mm-hmm. I see him. The show is a train wreck, mm-hmm. and I go. I really hated that show. Like, and my friends asked me, "Oh, what did you think about the Dan Harmon show that you went to the other night?" I'm like, "It was a fucking train wreck." Dan right. Harmon took off all his clothes and right. he was dancing around with a synthesizer, right. singing about his stocking-covered masturbation legs, right? And they go, "That sounds fucking amazing." Yeah, yeah. Because they weren't there, and so they want to go right. see something like that again right. Right. to try and recreate that magic. And I, I don't know if that's what he's going for. Yeah, but. I guess he draws in both types of crowds. Yeah, and there's like a, some of the some of the worst area of Harmontown is where he started inviting people onto the stage from just the crowd. And the first few times he did it, huh. it was kind of profound because he would be like, uh, he had this idea that he was trying to create an emotional battery by he want to say who is in pain, who is going through something just brutal, uh, come up on the stage and they would share the story and he'd talk to them for 10 or 15, 20 minutes. And then he'd be like, all right, now to get the emotional battery, we need someone that's having an amazing experience. And like the positive and negative would give like the show a charge. Huh. And I was, there were some pretty profound interactions that came out of that. Uh-huh. But then the attention whores oh, sure. started being like, you know, uh, they, they just wanted on the stage and they weren't in any particular pain or they weren't, they didn't have anything going on in their lives. And it was just, uh, it was a bummer for everybody. And, you know, when well, then Dan... he should introduce some emotional battery of his own and just berate that person. <laughs> Sometimes, like I said, yeah, it's like that's yeah. the thing. But that's not really fun to listen to either. It's sure. like tedious and boring and dumb and everyone's drunk and they're too drunk to know like what to do. And they're also like Dan's weirdly introverted. So he's not very good at like hmm. like like dealing like like I I guess if you're his best friend or lover, he can tell you what a piece of shit you are. But like if you're just some random dude that. The paid the like he has a but then sometimes like famously he'll snap on people on Twitter, hmm. he'll go off on like a thirty Twitter reply about what a fucking idiot this person is and how their their lives are meaningless and I don't yeah. know he's an interesting guy. Okay, so I, use, I, I fit in the word is, interesting one more time. I think podcast. that's an apt I thought word. It's interesting. Yeah, I think this podcast is interesting. Right. I think the end of this podcast is interesting to it, me. Yeah, I think it, it stopped being interesting. So like abruptly ending it now might be the most interesting way to do it.